And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. I'm Meg and you are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. And today we're actually going to talk about the game of soccer. What a concept, right? Plus, you know, all the other stuff, of course. Steph Young is back. We have the tail end of the Challenge Cup and the start of the regular season to assess and all of that other stuff that we need to talk about the NWSL. Wouldn't be the two of us if we weren't going to talk about it. But before we get to the rest of today's episode, as always, to show your support of full-time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and our app, you can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. It is always one of our very best deals at that URL, and you are showing that you support coverage of women's soccer. All right, news up first. 461,000 viewers for the Challenge Cup final on CBS this weekend. That's the biggest TV number for the NWSL so far in 2022. That's just ahead of the Wave versus Angel City game that had 456,000 viewers. Dabinia was named the tournament's MVP on Tuesday, along with the all-tournament team. Both awards are voted by the NWSL Media Association. Here's the full all-tournament team for forwards. Kristen Hamilton from The Current, Ashley Hatch, and Trinity Rodman from The Washington Spirit. For midfielders, Rose Lavelle, not Rose Ravel, Rose Lavelle from OL Reign, Ashley Sanchez from the Spirit, and of course, Dabinia from the North Carolina Courage. For defenders, two from the Courage here, Carson Pickett and Abby Ursag, and then Alana Cook and Sofia Huerta from the Reign. And goalkeeper was Fallon Tullis-Joyce from OL Reign. All right. Over in England, I want to swap over there for a second. Chelsea won the title with it all coming down to the final day with Arsenal still in the mix. Now, if you have not seen the two Sam Kerr goals from the final match of their season, just hit pause right now and go watch them. The second one in particular, just absurd. And speaking of Arsenal, Flo Lloyd Hughes with some big news here at The Athletic on the status of Viv Miedema's contract with the club reporting that the two sides are closing in on a one-year deal for her to remain in England. She's been rumored as on the move, potentially with some links to Barcelona. All right, that's the big stuff from this week. And of course, y'all know stuff, so let's just do that soccer. Um, Let's talk about soccer. Like, what a, what a radical concept to talk about soccer on a podcast about women's soccer. Because um, I feel like We've had a lot of discussions about big picture stuff in the NWSL and the soccer has gotten a little lost. I think it's also really hard to not, I'm still going to, we're going to talk about the big picture stuff, but first, like, I kind of want to talk about the North Carolina Courage with you because they're a really good team. Like, to be fair, I want to point out, like, they are not a perfect team by any stretch. Every single team in this league has shown through the Challenge Cup Mm -hmm. in the first couple of weeks they can be beaten. Mm Mm-hmm. In some form, no team is no team is a hundred percent there yet. 
But North Carolina Courage are like I, I they're kind of a scary team at the start of the season. Yeah, I think it's a tribute to Sean Nehas's coaching and some of the pickups they got in the off season and the way they were able to I think they had enough locker room leaders that they were also able to kind of carry over um, momentum from last season like emotionally and like keep the same vibe because they do vibe the same does that make sense yeah yeah <laughs> they, in a strange which is weird because you would think okay they've lost sam Mewis, they've lost lynn williams they've lost Jess mcdonald they've lost you know all of these Kristen hamilton too yep. right like they've lost so many players that i kind of immediately associate with the north carolina courage but then you still have abby ursag Denise O'Sullivan, and then, I mean, we can, I will happily talk about Dabinia all day, every day, yeah. right? But a lot of things, they still vibe the same. A lot of things are going right for them. Like, Taylor Smith is having a good time. That's so yeah. pleasing to see, like, uh, Caroline. We are going to yes. spend a lot of time talking about Caroline. <laughs> Her and Dabinia are just like, like, Dabinia sets you up with a jab for the range, and then Caroline comes out of nowhere. It's like, pow, <laughs> in the face. Yeah. Right, they kiss her. Yeah. Very nice. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just a very, you know, again, we have seen kind of defensive weaknesses from from the team. Like yeah. you can score against the North Carolina Courage, but also I think the North Carolina Courage going back to even like the first version of this team, as we kind of think of the Courage, right, was mm-hmm. technically Western New York Flash in 2016. Oh, my God. And that, again, like the vibe has kind of stayed the same to some extent, right? Like there was obviously that nice little period of just complete domination from the North Carolina Courage. But the the team at its heart was kind of a, you might be able to punch us, but we're going to punch you right back in the face, right? right? Like four or three games, like just, they could always outscore you. And I think that's kind of the version of this team that we're seeing is that there is kind of always going to be that answer. And generally... Dabinia is going to be involved in the answer in some form. Do you think it's bad for the rest of the league that Angel City beat them 2-1 in that home <laughs> opener, like, the way that they did? Because it set the tone right off for them, being like, oh, no, we didn't oh, no. like that. We didn't like that at all. So. Well, that's like that's like when North Carolina lost to Lyon in women's ICC, and then they were just like, well, we did not enjoy that. Please... <laughs> Everyone else, go f yourselves. <laughs> we we not acceptable. Not, and to have that happen in the first game, I think was maybe a, a very interesting plot twist for the rest of the league. I mean, in in the bold predictions piece, I said like the North Carolina Courage feel like it's not outside the realm of possibility that they could score seven, eight, nine, ten goals on a team yeah. this year. Like I just truly think. If they get in the mood, if Caroline is is back with the team after the sprained ankle suffered in the, the Challenge Cup, if Dabinia is on national television, right, like getting that weird, like she, when she cranks the dial from like 11 to 14 out of 10. It's also maybe only a game that could have been won at the beginning of the season because Angel City like really pressured North Carolina like wide on the sides on their like defenders fullbacks in that area and that's kind of where the goals came from and I'm just wondering if that's something that only really happens at the beginning when they're kind of like not quite together not quite in the rhythm and then you know as the season progresses they're like yeah you did that to that once but guess what now (laughs) we are the ones who do that to you their next game is against 
Gotham. <laughs> Precious little baby Gotham. And <laughs> just yeah. got wallops. Yeah. It's a polite way of putting it, too. I, I mean, I guess the question, too, is what happens when Casey Murphy returns, right? Does that maybe help settle some of the the bigger defensive question marks, right? But, I mean, I think it's also, like, a good thing for the league that North Carolina, again, has at least some sliver of weakness, yeah. right? Like, there is, a, there is a, a possibility of beating them, and I think that was also what was so good and interesting about all of the North Carolina-Washington Spirit games that we got as part of the East group in the Challenge Cup is that the Washington Spirit, too, I think Jason Anderson has made this point very effectively time and time again, the Washington Spirit are incredible problem solvers on the field, and they will they will figure out how to unlock you generally by the second half. <laughs> um, and so to see that, you know, obviously we, we will talk about the Challenge Cup second half, mm-hmm. but... You know, even that that counter-strike from Trinity Rodman and Ashley Hatch towards the tail end of the first half, right? Like, there are some weaknesses to that team, but I think it's just going to make it really interesting for the tail end of the season. But, uh, you know, North Carolina Courage, I think people, including myself, weren't saying, like, they're not out of the playoff picture by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think we expected them to look quite as strong as they do kind of right off the bat. And again, a testament to to Sean's coaching. I think. Yeah, I don't think the Casey Murphy thing is, I think it's a non-factor as well. First of all, Caitlin Rollins, an, exp- an experienced goalkeeper. And the rest of that back line, super experienced. Between Abby Erseg and Kaylee Kurtz, like you're just not gonna, yeah, the goalkeeper might switch out, but those two are, they're on it. Merit Mathias is, she's seen yeah, things. Merit Mathias and Carson Pickett. Merit right? Mathias like, has been the cause of people <laughs> seeing things in this league. So that she's, they're not rattle, I don't think, but yeah. Um, sorry to the rest of the league, I guess. I mean, it's just also, I think it, you know, it's it's maybe less about what North Carolina is allowing and the fact that other teams have adapted maybe a little bit to yeah. Yeah. what North Carolina has typically been known for and that you can't necessarily, like, play the North Carolina approach in this league anymore and get 100% success. I mean, Allie Wagner kind of put it where she's like, North Carolina actually is often still using that kind of like four and then that narrow like two 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 setup. Yeah. Um. And so the, the the North Carolina shield or the sword, sword. is yeah, 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 yeah. Call. yeah like the um. And so everybody has had literally seasons to figure out well what are we going to do and they you generally know which personnel are going to go where in there as well. But Ali Wagner was like, there's a difference between knowing what someone's going to do and then being able to stop it. So yeah. <laughs> It's a good it's a good wrinkle and I think, you know, we've we've started moving into a a tiers system for trying to figure out where teams are at right at the moment and and North Carolina I think is one of those teams that looks pretty locked in. I mean, the Washington Spirit obviously losing the Challenge Cup final, but I mean, Washington still regardless um again, a great problem-solving team. Mm-hmm. Trinity Rodman, Ashley Hatch on that front line, I think, you know, if you want to talk about deadly duos <laughs> in this league, Dabini and Caroline and then Ashley Hatch and Trinity Rodman are just... Yeah, the Spirit have one of the most exciting and complete attacks right now going on in the league between Ashley Sanchez, Ashley Hatch, and Trinity Rodman, and then their ability to fit that. And this is with the team missing Andy Sullivan to set things up behind right. them. 
Like, sometimes it's pretty obvious that they're, like, trying to compensate for not having Andy Sullivan. And that's that's definitely a case of, like, when I get healthy again. <laughs> yeah. You know? So. Yeah. And, yeah, and the, the, the Courage handled it. So, you know, the more teams, obviously, that are competitive like that, the more exciting it is overall. overall. But when you were saying we have a tiers system, I was, like, <laughs> and that's funny because like the homonym, you know, yeah. T E A. I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's very yeah. apt. Yes. <laughs> Which teams will make the other ones cry? And it turns out San Diego oh, <laughs> and Gotha. They could make a wave out of all the tears. <laughs> oh boy. It's it's Wednesday at like eleven and yet we're already in this mode. Alright, let's I do want to talk about the San Diego game though. Why? Because <laughs> I mean, it is, first of all, I think we need to pause and just try to explain to people how delightful Casey Stoney has been in this league already from a press conference point of view. Just to like, let's start there with San Diego because Casey Stoney, you know, like coaches come into this league, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a whole good narrative about the way that British coaches come into this league and kind of get smacked in the face by the NWSL and what it actually is. <laughs> you know, that coaches come in, they're like, we can play our system, it will be okay. And then 90% of the time, it's like, absolutely not. Sure, cannot do that. It will not work. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's working Yeah, in San Diego. She's, it's working. She's put together a pretty good defensive unit. I look at that game. So the starting, the four, the four that were in that game was Naomi Gierman, Abby Dahlkemper, which is a pretty good center back pairing. I don't think Dahlkemper is quite, and she, she did have that injury. So we'll keep an eye on that. Yep. But then on the fullbacks, you've got Tegan McGrady and Kristen Westfall. Those are two real experienced, you know, real solid fullbacks. So she's like, it's not a surprise. She said it multiple times, like, I'm a defender and we're going to focus on the defensive unit. But it's not a surprise, right, that they've built a good foundation there and then they're trying to build out and they've, you know, got Van Eggman in there, like, trying learning the ropes and and Alex Morgan is playing, like, her place on the U.S. Women's National Team is in question, which maybe it is. So that's good for yeah. the wave. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone had Alex Morgan four goal game on their bingo card for I, last weekend. I do want to like. There's always a little caveat, like yes to penalties, um, right? And that's the other thing when people look but, at the XG from the game, and I'm like, but you need to look at the non penalty XG as well, which was still <laughs> pretty high, very high, <laughs> very high. Yes, to be fair, that like four four point five whatever it is number did include the penalties. But, I mean, what I think is really interesting is that we've been having that kind of within the NWSL conversation of should the same player take both penalty kicks, right? If they get multiple penalties in a game, should the same taker take number two, right? And what we've kind of seen in the NWSL is maybe not. And then you have Alex Morgan going up against Ashlyn Harris. And Ashlyn Harris has a very particular strategy for trying to deter a kicker during penalty kicks. And... Alex Morgan just stepping up to the line and just basically being like, I reject your energy. <laughs> I reject it. Not it, it's fam. Dark <laughs> Not it. <laughs> I'm going to very casually finish these and then just absolutely <laughs> taking McCall Zerboni's lunch money on goal number three. That's what I was just remembering. 
Alex Morgan and Ashlyn Harris, these two were teammates on Western New York Flash. Yeah, 2011. Uh, that was Alex Morgan's rookie year. So they've <laughs> yep. seen each other since they were bait. Oh, no. 2011 was 11 years ago. No. <laughs> I knew it's the 10th anniversary. 2011 Western New York Flash. Of yep. NWSL, but I didn't think that 10 years had passed. <laughs> Everybody's wearing a little patch just to make sure it should just say we're all old. I should get a little patch that was like I survived until the tenth year of or the tenth season of NWSL. Like, where's my? I think we're we've agreed to call it tenth year because it's not technically a season. That's what I've okay. I've embraced the tenth year philosophy. Where's my sponsorship? I need fiber. And I want more of those safety hand railings. You crackling O-Brand? Yeah, around the bathtub. I don't care how old you are. Everybody could use the safety hand railings on the bathtub. Anyway, Alex Morgan, okay. Ashlyn Harris. They've, they've, they've known each other's habits. And penalties already favor the kicker. And, you know, I think... I did really enjoy Ashlyn Harris just trying, like, to, like, trying point to point and be like, like, you should shoot here. Her little, her little like, mind games that she always does. And I'm like, how have those been working out for you? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so the two of them were penalties, and I think that takes the wind out of you. You feel like the world is against you, and how you react to that mentally, maybe it's a little bit early to having to be to regroup against that kind of thing. And But also, I think Gotham just played badly. Yeah. I mean, it, it has been interesting. Obviously, like, I go to Gotham games when they are at home at Red Bull, and you know, I, we've we've talked about actually being in press conferences again, right? And, you know, seeing kind of the mood of Gotham, especially post-Challenge Cup, where they did feel like they had underperformed. And then you go to Orlando, you get like this nice, comfortable 3 nothing win, and then you go to San Diego and you get absolutely smoked. It is going to be a really interesting, like, mental turnaround for this team, I think. They're at home this weekend, and you know how do you how do you mentally bounce back from that? I'm I'm curious to see what happens from them because it did like yes there have been pieces coming in and out this season, but I mean to your point, North Carolina right has kind of felt like the heart of the team hasn't changed, and with Gotham, I don't know if that's the case. Okay, this is going to be the airing of all the grievances. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Gotham Festivus time. So after the game, we're asking Scott Parkinson, you know, what went wrong. Obviously, when it's 4-0, like, it's not the worst result I've ever seen because I was a Boston Breakers fan, but it's bad. Um, and asking, like... <laughs> Just the caveat of, like, the Boston Breakers existed. We have known pain. Right. And we're asking, like, what went wrong. And I want to also add the caveat, like, of course, Scott Parkinson... He's not the type of guy to throw his team under the bus after a game. He'd be like, this went wrong and this went wrong and blah, 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 blah. He's, you know, does seem to adhere a little bit to like praise in public, punish, not punish, like uh, change things in private. But asked him like, you know, what did you think went wrong with the midfield? And he was like, there's nothing wrong with the midfield. It was the fullbacks and the wingers. And, you know, the Wave took like 31 shots as well on Gotham in this game. And uh, they had like way more huge majority of them in the box huge majority of those like 29 of those shots were in the box they had way more touches in the box as well compared to gotham and yes their accuracy of shots on goal to shots was less gotham i think was like 50 percent 
on target and San Diego was around 29, 30%. But that doesn't really matter when you're taking 31 shots, you know? That's like two yeah. or three games worth of shots, honestly. Yeah. So, and he was yeah. like, the shots aren't a problem. So when he says all of this in combination, I'm like, what's, is is this? So what's the problem? What, what is the problem? What's the problem? And I think it was literally the opposite. And I don't know if he was just saying things in public to be like, not give anything away, which I think is partially at play here. Like, I, I don't want to tell you like my whole diagnosis. Also, it's like 30 seconds since the game ended. So there's that. But I think the midfield is a huge problem because McCall Zerboni, I just don't know if she can hang anymore physically in the role that they're asking her to do, to just be like that hard-headed, let me break this up and then restart play. I don't know if Naho can handle the role that they're asking of her as well. I don't know if she's like a full 90 player. They haven't been really using her consistently as a full 90, which is so painful. Like I have her jersey. I respect her so much as a player. I just don't know if she can execute what they're asking for. Christy Mewis is an excellent problem solver. And I think, like, you heard Midge and Becky talking about her, like, on um, that new Blazer uh, Paramount Plus podcast, where they talked about how they really admire Christy Mewis as an underrated problem solver, where she understands where to be in order to affect the ball and the play. But she's just one person. Like, if you look right. at the stats, it bears out that Christy Mewis is probably the team's best problem solver right now in terms of, like, her ability to put the ball into the attacking third and her touches and her passing and everything. And you have a great attacking cohort in Ify Anamanu and Mitch Purse. And then Paige Monahan is, you know, pretty useful in terms of, like, I think she led the team in crosses. She, in she feels like the engine, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But here's, she feels I think like she's the disconnected from Anamanu and Purse and what she's trying to do and what they're trying to do. is like It's almost like they're a front two and Paige is, like, kind of also there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which it might be intentional. So things feel disconnected there. The midfield engine is not able to supply Anumano and Purse the way they need to. Meanwhile, poor Amani Dorsey and Caprice Didasco are like desperately trying to make <laughs> something happen. If you look at that passing chart, they're they're really like trying to make something, but they can't. They're like being blocked off again. The midfield is supposed to be helping them out to give them the outlet. They can't just play vertically every single time. It's not happening. So I'm like, it feels like everything around the midfield is kind of trying their best, but the midfield itself is not able to execute what Gotham needs right now based on the personnel that they have around them. And I'm like, maybe that means trying to figure out a way to integrate Jen Cujo more into that midfield to give Christy another like problem solver who can work with her. Signing someone else to help pick up the slack that they lost from Allie Long. Yeah, I was going to ask you, just in terms of, because Gotham was was playing that sort of double six system last year, right? And like, to be fair, a lot of lateral passing, but they were also able to maintain possession, I think, a little bit more and also provide, you know, better outlets for Caprice Didasco, for Armani Dorsey coming out of the wing. If you had to get it centrally in order to build, you have two sixes right in front of you in order to to have the to set up triangles, right? Yep. To like just kind of build, build, build. And now McCall Zerboni is kind of being asked to to handle that on her own, which is not currently working. Right. And then obviously they lose the best two goalkeepers in the league from last season, or in my opinion. I think Kaylin Sheridan actually is the best goalkeeper in the league right now. And she kept the wave in it. Gotham did put some like some of those goals would have been bangers, like if they'd gone yep. in. And Kaylin Sheridan was like at full stretch keeping the goal. So I don't want to say it was like 100% wave. 
they did have to do some defensive work. But like now that I've listed out <laughs> this like five minute <laughs> rant of like this and this and this and this, your move, Gotham. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be, I think, a fight for Gotham to to get into that like four, five, six playoff position right at the moment. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, I'm not even thinking of playoffs it, now. That game was yeah. such a balagon. Like, so this is my my wife is Jewish, and I used to say Mishigas all the time because that's a um, it's a great loan word from Yiddish for like a mess. And apparently, the next step up from that, like complete <laughs> fubar, is balagon. <laughs> I learned that from uh, one of uh, our also Jewish friends who speaks some Yiddish, and I'm like, that was a balagon. <laughs> so that's your Yiddish vocabulary for the day. I hope I'm using it right. <laughs> Please don't divorce me. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask my wife okay. when she gets home if, if it was appropriate or not. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, let's 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 talk about some other teams in this league and where where they're maybe trending. Um, I will say some encouraging stuff from Orlando out in Los <laughs> Angeles, right? I mean, I think, to be fair, like I think every team in this league does have something that they should feel hopeful about. In some form, right? Even for the for the teams that have been struggling already, right? In Orlando, for me, the real bright spot on that team has been Darian Jenkins through the Challenge Cup. I thought Darian Jenkins has has been just outstanding in terms of trying to make things happen. And then this week, Sydney LaRue, obviously really stepping up and stepping forward. Orlando, like the team is never gonna say, listen, we've kind of already considered the season a wash. They're never gonna admit it, right? But the the hand that they've been dealt for the start of 2022, losing Marta to a season-ending in- injury, right? Having such a huge amount of turnover. Like, they're just not... They are not playing with <laughs> full deck right at the moment, like, truly. And so I think for them to get the first win, to be able to hang on for that full game against Angel City, right? Like, that was a pretty even game by the end of things. It's a good sign mm-hmm. for Orlando. And also, like again, a good thing for the league that we're starting to see every team get a result in some form. Mm -hmm. Like, if you look at the stats, it kind of bears out. It was a roughly even game in terms of, like, shots, although LA was a lot more accurate with shots on goal. They also didn't have as many crosses, but in this context, it, you know, Orlando maybe pumping the balls in, trying to look for something. Um, But yeah, otherwise, it was a, a fairly evenly distributed game. I think... Early on, when I look at Orlando, I think it's good that they've got kind of, especially the, I look at the formation they had against Angel City. I think that LaRue, Gunny, Yon's daughter, 
pairing is good because it's on the same side as Tony Presley. And when I look at their center backs, I think Tony Presley is a weak link. I like there was another game right before this. I can't remember who they played exactly. It might have been Challenge Cup game where Presley just got smoked repeatedly. She just could not hang with having a defender like chilling in that area and then taking off. And then she was just like, oh, no, and having to rely on the goalkeeper, another defender to bail her out. So that is where I see kind of um, an area that needs improvement with the pride and then, you know, kind of all over the field, you know, yeah. and like how to train your dragon. We're like, the problem is this. And he's like, you just gestured to all of me. And it's kind of that <laughs> vibe. But at any team can beat any other team in this league still. No yeah, matter how good I mean, how I think bad. that really is. Yeah, I think that really is the case. It's just, you know, we've seen <laughs> it again. We, we talk a lot about chaos, but truly any given day, like there's just no result that you can take for granted. I thought that was really interesting from Kaylin Sheridan after the wave. She's like, you know, I think people have come in here and been like, oh, it's going to be an expansion team. It's going to be easy. And now they've won on the road against Houston huge home win like I do think that even after just two games of actual regular season action teams are going to look at San Diego and be like oh oh, we need to we need to actually probably be ready for this one like it's not it's not going to be quite the the easy trip that we think it to be um I want to talk about Kansas City too because Kansas City strong challenge cup performance Mm -hmm. and then what's happening there question mark (laughs) Uh, i i i thought they were a little unlucky to lose against houston i really did um so ariel drawer if you want to go find her on twitter she does really great uh stats after the games and she'll show you like the xg map and um the the possession i mean the the passing shape of the teams the passing map and if you look at the respective shapes of the teams Kansas City had something pretty solid in place, and the the Houston Dash pass map literally looked like that uh, emoji where the mouth is like in a little ragged line because it's like <laughs> cringing. It literally looked like that, and it felt like that as well. And so that's soccer, though. Like sometimes you don't have the best plan, but you still win. Execute, yeah. yeah. To be fair, I thought J- Jane Campbell also had a very solid game. A couple really yeah. clutch saves yeah. for Houston. Um, so, yeah, it's just it has been very interesting to kind of see, like, you know, we've seen a couple of teams in Challenge Cup have, like, good, strong performances, and then we're hitting the start of the regular season, and it's, you know, O.L. Reign, I think, has has had their share of referee decisions. Um, we have talked about this a little bit, mm-hmm. and, like, to be fair, before we get into any referee discussion, if you have not read Steph's piece on pro referees and what they face in this league, it is absolutely essential required reading at this point of time. I'm going to put it in the show notes, too, so that way you don't miss it. And with that said, I don't think it's individual decisions that like need to get picked apart so much as like the overall system mm-hmm. and also NWSL and pros investment into these referees is still... So when I when I talk about like refereeing is a problem that is now also directly impacting not just the competition itself but player safety. Yeah. I'm I'm yelling about the investment part and not a specific referee and I know that that is not always easy to tell 
That is the thought <laughs> process, at least, that's happening in my head. Um, I will say God bless Megan Rapino for being back for three minutes in the Challenge Cup so that way we got her post-game being able to give her take on the handball that knocked O.L. Rain out of the Challenge Cup because I, I definitely did miss her unique ability to mm-hmm. give a quote <laughs> in this league. It's been a while. Um but then, you know, like we've seen some handballs getting missed. We've seen, you know, Challenge Cup second half obviously has been the big discussion. But at some point, like OL Rain had such a strong start and then I think got hit with their own challenges of trying to figure out like how to hold on to results and everything. But then they've also been the team that by far <laughs> has had just some truly absurd ref stuff happening. I mean, Bethany Balser tweeting after a game being like, how could you tell that the ball crossed the line entirely and being told I'm tall? <laughs> I like, I get both sides frustration on that where Balser, the ref told her like, it's just a goal and Bethany Balser being like, it's just a goal. You mean the one thing in the whole world <laughs> that I'm supposed to do responsible. Yeah. Right. You're just, that it's decides- just a goal. Especially, you know, when there's, like, there's real stuff on the line now. Like, I'm sure um, players were like, oh, there's a $10,000 prize now for Challenge Cup? That sort of thing. And then the ref being like, the ref is not a machine. Even in in slow-mo, when we got, like, a replay from another angle, I couldn't tell. I absolutely could not It was also not a decisive angle in any way, shape, or form. Right, and then it's happening in real time. Yes, and speed, and yeah. you're supposed to like with 100 yeah. percent accuracy be like, yes, I know exactly what that was. So I I understand like both sides here. Like it was very poorly handled. I think at least maybe on the emotional <laughs> level. Um, I don't. I also don't know what the the standard is in PRO. Like what is the training when they're like when it's not there. There surely is some training for like if it's not assured like what the result is this is the call that you should make or like use your best judgment based on like the game state the state of the crowd the positioning that you had i don't know but this is another example of like why it's so complicated to just say the ref sucked there's so many factors going on the game's going at 100 miles per hour it looks slower to us because you're watching like from up above when you're on field level things happen so fast all the time like (laughs) everything happens so much right yeah i mean i just even from when i used to photograph games like being in line it feels very very different being on the field and your vantage point really does matter um i do think that i i don't think like var is incoming in this league anytime soon again like just financially right like that has to be justified i guess the question is would this even prompt a conversation of should we have this available for playoffs, right? And maybe that's where players could potentially push and say, we're willing to compromise here, right? Yeah. And which is, it is a compromise because this result could play a role in shield standings, right? At the tail end of the year, right? Yep. So that those two points that OL Rain dropped could really play a role later on in the season, but... There is room for a compromise here of saying, listen, we know that the money isn't there for regular season for having additional investment into video review or some form of 
goal line technology, whatever it is, right? But I mean, they have it for MLS in that stadium, I would think, right? Mm-hmm. Or CONCACAF, you know, like it would certainly be equipped at Lumen Field. Yeah. Just to real quick give people an idea of the financial investment that needs to happen for VAR, um, Jeff Hasouf also tweeted something about this. I think he said it might be like a seven-figure investment. The setup right now is NWSL is paying. CBS is not paying for broadcasts, right? That's the current setup. Um, and for VAR, you need multiple cameras in high enough definition that you can see in like replay. Um, and so adding that many cameras is expensive. And then for every game staffing, you also have to do, Piero says you need two referees, like one uh, VAR referee and one assistant VAR referee, and they need to be trained up on VAR as well. Right. So you're paying yep. two additional personnel, although they're probably not getting paid much. <laughs> I, I I really but would But you're bet. also paying for all of that training, too, yeah, 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 yeah. right? Like, um, But where are you going to get them? Because MLS still has to play. USL still has to play. There's still international games. So you're asking them to also expand the referee pool because if you need two extra referees every match and there's six games uh, a weekend, you're asking them to add 12 more personnel every single weekend. It's like, where are they, they going to pull them? They're already apparently kind of you know, having to re- dig deep to get to, to staff all these things is my impression. So yeah, there's, there's structural problems here. And to be fair, a lot of them can be solved with money. And the question is, yeah. who's going to, where does the money come from? Find but it also, and, also, are you using that money and taking money away from player salaries or being like, it's just, you have a pot, right? And you've got to figure out how that pot is getting used. And there's also minimum like three things on fire all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how do you try to solve all three of those fires that all require money? It's just, it's not, again, it, it's not a problem that I would enjoy trying to no. solve. Um, Godspeed, Jessica Berman, um, <laughs> trying to walk into this. But also, I mean, I guess it's, it's fundamental of, you know, coming from my former life, before sports when I worked at biotech and I would have to write risk assessments for new procedures, right? And you have to kind of look at it on the scale of where the risk is in terms of here, I would say, okay, what's on fire the most, but also what's on fire the most that affects player health and safety directly at this point. Yeah. And refereeing, I think, might now have leapfrog broadcast issues because as much as broadcast issues undermine the NWSL products, they're not actively harming players right at the moment. Right. I also think it might, I don't know. I don't know if it actually is a logistically easier problem to solve, but it seems like it's a cheaper problem to solve. I think. Um, I This Houston Dash game that we kind of drifted from, that also was like impacted by some dodgy refereeing penalty call, you know, kind of a... Houston Dash fans are going to argue with me, but maybe a little dark arts in the box, a little bit of flopping, a little embellishment, a lot of a very smart play to kind of pull enough of a foul and the ref being in whatever position they were in. And then, like, again, like I was saying, Casey, it feels unfair a little bit the rest of the game because you got a penalty. And then the other goal is literally in the sixth minute a stoppage when you kind of are like taking your eye off the ball a bit, you're waiting for the ref to call the whistle, and you're like, why is why is this keep, you know, that sort of thing. Like, you, you look at the stats and the shape and everything, yeah, you would be like, oh, Casey lost this game? Mm, 
that's sports. Yeah. All right. Do we want to do we want to address Challenge Cup second half uh, of the final? I mean, to be fair, I think we've both we've talked about it a lot, and I think a few days out, maybe some of the the emotions were very high on Saturday. Saturday was also just a very strange day because you went from really fun first half, mm-hmm. right? Like good good first half, couple really super fun goals, and then the second half happened, and then everyone was just in a very strange mental state after. And then also many hours later, San Diego just <laughs> demolishes Gotham. So it was like a very weird roller coaster of a day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think when I have been trying to talk about what happened on Saturday to people who are maybe not quite as in it as you and I are, the way that I keep trying to, to talk about it is that like, we've had such a huge discussion about player safety in this league now for basically about a year. Right. And we've talked a lot about the balance between the commercial interests of the league and how that undermines the players. And I think we had seen that in so many other ways. And then Saturday was such a reminder that the product on the field has always kind of been this afterthought in a really weird way. (laughs) Right. And we're finally now, I think, seeing a little bit more of the struggle. I mean, it's not that we haven't seen it in this league before, but one of the things that I mentioned in the column was that we've had a couple of images of this league that have been the defining images that have gone well past like NWSL fans, right? That when NWSL gets mainstream media coverage, the shit that goes out into the world is the tiny baseball field in Western New York, Rachel Daly collapsing from the heat in that Houston Dash game in the middle of the afternoon. And now you have Washington Spirit players running for an ambulance because they're so, or the the stretcher from the ambulance because they're so freaked out. And that's the stuff that now, what, 460,000 people are seeing on CBS and is being written about, right? And so you have to hold... (laughs) Like, all the good stuff from the league and all the bad stuff from the league at the same time. But it it did kind of feel like almost a little bit of, like, a sucker punch again of, like, oh, we're still here. Have we learned our lesson? This season feels a little different because you mentioned CBS. They also did, like, a bunch of stuff on the Angel City home opener, which... But what it took was the, being like, this is Natalie Portman's team, Serena Williams, an investor. We have Jen Garner, mom cam. Like, and obviously <laughs> CBS being the rights holder, like I, maybe there was a little bit of internal push there to be like, hey, make a big deal out of this because it benefits us as well, which is how it's supposed to work. Uh, there was like a CBS Good Morning segment or something on the whole thing. And I was like, okay, good. That's how it's supposed to work. So it, I feel like that is a little bit of counterbalance, but it took that much to get that amount of attention, and then it has cost zero dollars to get all this negative attention, which is mm-hmm. something the league needs to take into account. It takes a lot of money to buy positive attention right now, especially for women's sports. And it has to be so extraordinary, like Abby Wambach, last minute, you know, stoppage header against Brazil in order to get a lot of mainstream coverage at a World Cup. But when it's bad news, it travels at the speed of light for zero dollars. Because everybody loves to, like, look at a car wreck. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I don't have a solution for this by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I think it's been kind of the one of the defining questions of women's professional soccer in this league, right? Is like, how do you... I, I just, for all of the good stuff, right? And sometimes it even feels like to talk about the good stuff feels like a weird disservice to like what is actually happening in the league. But at the same time, I mean, we were both in Los Angeles, right? We both had a wonderful, amazing time at the Angel City home opener. It felt, I mean, that was my article. It felt like the promise of this league that we have been waiting for, for a decade, right? That we had finally taken the next step. I don't want to say NWSL 2.0. I still don't really think that's a thing. I also think trying to finally talk about versions of this league now feels like a pointless exercise. But to go from that, and then to go to the Challenge Cup second half, it just, it's so frustrating <laughs> to watch because sometimes it feels like this is just really dumb shit that could have been avoided. Yeah. And it's it's the small stuff that adds up into these big moments of scheduling, right? Tiny baseball field, same deal, right? Like we're not being proactive with scheduling or we're not being proactive with weather. Visible numbers right? on jerseys. <laughs> Visible. Like, but that's the stuff where the little things are are sliding and then the punishment for those little things sliding is the image of spirit players sprinting with an ambulance stretcher. Yeah. And you can't anticipate that, right? And and setting aside the whole EMT discussion, because I, I've, I fully get that. I feel like I have learned a lot about how EMTs are supposed to handle emergencies. You cannot escape the fact that the players felt that, like, that's the image, right? And I think also seeing Dabinia's face of realizing, like, Right. It's us at risk, right? Yeah. Like that was the vibe. That was the vibe during that injury breakdown. It went from this is bad and dumb in a very specific NWL way where player safety is at risk to like this is now outright scary as hell. Yeah. I think most if not all players in that field are looking at that and the inadequate response and being like, "Oh, that could be me. It could be any of us in any given game at any given time." Um, after this, I actually also want to know what you found out about EMTs because I feel like that was like a big part of like, why, why is it so slow? It's like, is that on the league or is it They're just not on this supposed particular... to run. They're not supposed to run because it puts them at risk. Oh, interesting. So yeah, there's a whole, I, there's a few, there's a few really good threads out there just in terms of like. The response was generally deemed to be what it should have been, minus the fact that apparently there's a spine board issue. Mm. I, I cannot pretend to be a medical okay. <laughs> expert by any stretch of the imagination, but from what I have seen, generally it was deemed like the response from trainers was. I mean, like the trainers barely even waited for. Oh, the, the trainers were on there. Like they, they were. They were going yeah. right. Um, setting aside like the actual medical care. Yeah. Right. The league has always struggled with optics. <laughs> and like that's the bigger that's like that's the part that's harder to control, right? But I think that's also the part that's going to erode some trust 
with players when it comes to safety because players are also watching that. I mean, Crystal Dunn is out here tweeting about the tackle on, on Caroline, right? And saying, like, why are we not caught? Like, someone's ankle could get broken, and it turns out her her ankle was sprained. But, like, control of that game was gone. But even setting aside that, the quality of that second half deteriorated because two games or two teams are playing three games in the span of a week. And it's also North Carolina and it's humid as hell and a storm is about to roll in. Like there are a lot of factors going into how that second half devolved. Right. And it's but then even, the end result is that optics. Yeah, it's two teams that sh- if you're an experienced ref, you also know like, oh, these are guys that are like going to try to punch each other a little bit. They're a little bit on the physical side. So if you're an experienced referee, which requires like someone to be able to be a referee for several years and NWSL be able to survive on that money and have experience and have the training to understand and like to be and have the time to be able to do the research and the prep before a game. Again, that's a structural issue. Like, who is afforded like the the time and the money and the training to go into this game fully prepared to be like, this is going to be a physical game. The conditions are bad. They're tired. I've got to be on it in order to make sure this doesn't devolve into what it might devolve into. And to a certain extent, it didn't. But you know, things things went a little bit screwy here and there. So yeah, it is. All these little things add up. And I think you mentioned it's an optics problem. How do you solve it? If I'm the league and I'm Jessica Bourbon, I'm expanding my friggin' like marketing and comm staff. That's where they need yeah. money. When I look at Angel City, that doesn't happen because they have a small staff. My sense is that they have an enormous marketing, ticketing, <laughs> and media staff compared to every other I mean, team. I mean, I feel league. like Angel City, I think, I mean, to be fair, I do not know what the actual number of staff that they have. It feels like 12 times the rest of the league combined in many ways. Yeah. Like, it just feels like they are a true operation. And, like, I mean, to be fair, they are new at a lot of it. I don't think that they are 100% locked in, right? They're going to now finally experience the terrible magic of an NWSL regular season <laughs> and doing this week in, week out. But, I mean, there were so many parts to what happened in in Los Angeles where I was just like, okay, you get what's going on, you get why, you know, having this press conference is important, or, like, it just felt like the way of navigating that stadium made sense in a way that, like, we see it in international games or at World Cups or whatever, and not usually at NWSL games. And I I don't want to say that it's perfect by any stretch. I still think we need mixed zones back. I This is a whole different rent for, for a different thing, and probably no one cares except for us reporters about how access works. But you need people to communicate the message well. But I also think with the NWCL, it is such a struggle because that message keeps getting co-opted by sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. When we were in Los Angeles, I know it's a big game, so probably more staffers than usual would have been there. But every single time I turned a corner, I felt like I saw someone in an Angel City staff badge or shirt. And it just, I, to a certain extent, we were talking about, like, bad news travels at the speed of light for free. But you, and it all doesn't have to be this hapless bystander and all of that. I want to see them be proactive instead of reactive in this area where they're like, and I think they have talked a little bit about how they're going to expand front office staffing and they finally found the money for that. Is that coming from maybe Ally as a sponsor? I, I think that there's a there's a couple of factors yeah. here. I know when I talked to Jessica Berman in the Q&A, like right before the start of the regular season, and I said, like, do you feel empowered basically to fill out the front office? Do you think you're going to get the resources that you need? And she said, yes. So, okay. Yeah, the, to a certain extent, I think they are trying to do that, but it's so long overdue. Like, Endorisol doesn't have to sit there and get pummeled from all sides by, like, the, you know, the, the bad takes that emerge or inevitably, you know, once a year, some big outlet does the usual, like, why is Endorisol struggling piece? <laughs> you know? What is the end of your cell and why does it exist? Right, Who exactly. Knew? Like, so they don't have to just sit idly by and, and or like, you know, put all the blame on the media, which a hefty portion of it is, right? Because outlets can choose to invest in reporting on women's soccer regularly. But to a certain extent, they can be proactive about it. They can hire people who can go out and like do all the like, I feel for comms people in any sport, it's a tough job. And you have to kind of go out and be almost like a community manager and like do all this glad handing and networking and talking to people. But again, this is the thing that we saw that Angel City was doing well, where they reach out actively to media or they might say like, yes, we'll uh, not necessarily reserve a story for you, but like, we'll come to you. We want you to cover this story. I think NWSL mm -hmm. needs to be that level of proactive. And of course they need the personnel for that. I think the size of their comms and like, media and marketing department is not big and probably Dude. very underfunded. Like, I don't know what these people are making in a year, but it's probably not enough. So, but again, if I have a limited pot, that's where I'm going to put my money because 
the in order to make more money to address all the other problems, I need to have a saleable image. Like I can't sell a product that looks and feels like crap. Yeah, I think that's also where the broadcast has come in because that is a lot of people's entry points, right? And I think about the Washington Post article from last summer, I want to say, where it was just, I mean, the, the quote from Beckeru, who's executive director of the PA, where she was just like, yeah, when I'm talking to potential investors in this league, like there are certain games where I'll, I'm like, can't, don't watch that. Don't watch it. Right. Well, only watch this, please, right. for the love of God. Like, <laughs> it, don't watch a game on Twitch. It almost requires <laughs> if you, you can even find it. <laughs> it almost requires you to pick out the investors where, like, when you're shopping for a house, you have to be able to envision what it could be and not what it is. So you're trying <laughs> to the show them upper. the staged house that has been recently cleaned <laughs> and not the house in its usual state where it's kind of like got chintzy decor. The, the the last update was from 1987. There's like there's chartreuse rugs. Yeah. You know, maybe there's weird yeah. walls or, you know, not enough bathroom, <laughs> that sort of thing. So you have to be able to give people what you think the league could be. But again, that's a hard sell. It's like, oh, sponsor us for a million dollars. But, you know, on the premise yeah. that, of what the league could be. But also, I mean, this is where I think it gets into this territory of like, is there winning, right? Because to be fair, I think about the announcement for the Challenge Cup prize money, right? Which overall net positive. I want to be clear up front. I view this as a net positive thing for the league to have more money coming in and also going in players' pockets directly. Problem number one is that players then got kind of pissed that first of all, to be fair, Challenge Cup as it exists right now, not a popular thing. So we should keep that as, as something to just evaluate further statements. But this kind of resentment that Challenge Cup prize money is double what players are guaranteed minimum bonus for for the Shield via the new CBA. So there's part one. Part two is that you have a sponsor coming in, doing this nice sponsorship, putting money in, multi-million deal, multi-year deal, like, again, good news across the board. But then you have a press release that says, ah, yes, we are going to have pay equity with the men's tournament. <laughs> And everyone reads that, at least in our little world, and goes, I'm sorry, what? What are you talking about? Because the only thing that you can compare it to is MLS is back from 2020, and it is now 2022, and it doesn't make sense. And then I went into a weird rabbit hole of MLS bonus money, and it's only because that's how my brain works, and I wish I had never done it, because it doesn't matter. But NWSL and the sponsors have also undermined some of the other messaging because everything is like groundbreaking, historic, you know, and I've written about this before, but the message, right, to your point, is just everything is at here and sometimes we have to be at here and sometimes we have to admit that like things need to be better. And the, the messaging is just kind of all over the place and also you have the sponsor walking in and and to be fair, I, I love the <laughs> enthusiasm and I love what they want to do of trying to figure out how to fix some of this pay equity stuff. But you can't just say, ah, yes, we have solved pay equity with the men's tournament of the same. Qual-. Like it just. What's that Fresh Prince meme where Will Smith is like, he's a little confused, but he's got the spirit. Like <laughs> yeah. some guy's like not quite on the, but he's like, OK, I, you got the vibe, but let's sharpen yeah. it up a little bit. 
And like, is does anyone care about this to the same level that I do? Maybe not, but I don't know. It's just like overall, I'm just gonna be really curious to see what happens out of the the Jessica Berman listening tour, right? In terms of do do you see the, how the little things then end up causing you bigger problems I'm, later? It's you yeah. know like I'm not <laughs> got surprised. The, the domino meme. I'm not surprised that messaging is incoherent given the roller coaster, the revolving yeah. carousel of commissioners, right? Messaging requires like a consistent, steady, firm hand of someone who knows what they want the message to be. And then in the meantime, you know, Lisa Baird, for all that she got wrong, she also was saddled with having to put out one million different fires. So how can you develop coherent messaging when the house is on fire? You can't sell the house yet. You have to put out the fire first. And so we've kind of been in that state where we've been trying to like spot address things here and there without having that coherent, like whole vision. But now it's time. It's time. It's well overdue. And again, that comes back to like, how are we staffing up our front office? How are we staffing up our marketing and sales arm? Do we have someone who can make craft that message? Who can do the, you know, whatever the, the sponsorship demographic studies and all the data to like, give us some some coherent branding when i think of the wnba's rebrand that was a strong rebrand that felt like i had a coherent message like it felt like it had a singular vibe um and honestly it's interesting that people are like oh the tables have flipped now the wnba should be looking at nwsl with their expansion energy but just in terms of branding i think that's a that's one case study that we could look at and i do think nwsl is headed they've announced that they're going to rebrand soon right I mean, there was a a true like, oh, we're going to rebrand for the 10th year announcement from the Lisa Baird era. And then obviously that got backburnered. I do think it's probably still on the overall to do list. Yeah. The question is just. I I think they maybe have a window next year. Jessica Berman has now pretty clearly stated they do not intend to have any expansion teams in 2023, which is also a good thing anyway, because the World Cup year. Yeah. But. It maybe gives you that window of, okay, we're going to stand pat at 12 teams. We've got a full year to figure out how we're going to approach expansion to maybe consider our our brand identity and to figure out, again, like the house is still on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Which room do we hit first? Rebrand could work in your 11-2 World Cup year, piggyback onto that and do some kind of like tie-in, not starting 11, 11-year rebrand. I don't know. Hire me. um when you get the slack being like can you not advertise your services on an app right exactly forbidden know why forbidden (laughs) actually i much prefer to be on on this side of things just reporting and being like i don't have the answers (laughs) because then if i'm on the other side i I gotta be like oh i gotta have the answers so yeah fair play to to not being on the other side and having to have the answers yeah, I just think, you know, based on what we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes, but also just like what we've seen over the last 10, there's no, there's no magic answer here. Like, and there never has been, yeah. right? There never has been a magic answer for the NWSL and you can have all this good energy and, and you can try to present this nice historic face to the world. And then you've also got to figure out, okay, how do we actually fix right some of the stuff that we need to be fixing right at the moment? And that's. I don't know. We talk a lot about balance. 
and that that is one of the balance things that we're still we're we're real like NWSL just loves a good like ah yes <laughs> we're great over here no one right no one no one open the door because right. then you're gonna get the backdraft no avatars coming to restore balance after the Fire Nation <laughs> attacked it's it's just like constant work to like adding on and adding on and adding on and to a certain extent. We're getting there, right? Look, we signed a CBA. Not we. They signed a CBA. <laughs> yeah. What was we? we held the CBA? Right. After we it got was to nine. see it. We were, uh, yeah. So they signed a CBA. That's if you were in year three or four, and then you fast forward to now, and you look at this CBA, you'd be like, okay, maybe a little overdue. Yeah. But they did it, and then you know probably we're careening towards some form of free agency at some point. Players are getting well, it's in the CBA, so yeah, well, yeah, we <laughs> are. Players getting paid more. They've got built-in like uh, pay schedule, like increasing pay steps. We're getting actual bonus money, like MVP and Rookie of the Year and Defender of the Year, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like not getting a Chipotle gift card, <laughs> starting to mean stuff. Oh man, that should have at <laughs> least be been fair, like Chipotle gift card should also still be part of the deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although it should have been like one year free Chipotle, at least not just like a gift card, like that card they give yeah. you where you like once a day, you can go and get a free burrito. That's almost like, okay, the monetary value of that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, but, you, but can you see like, like how that was, that was building blocks. That was, it wasn't just a magic bullet. It wasn't just this well, one like weird trick Megan that Burke doctors talking hate. about like, <laughs> Megan Burke was saying, this is just the first version of the CBA. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, we now get to use this as the building block for the next time we negotiate, right? right? Like we got free agency in some form in this version. How do we make it better the next time, right? Like it, it has been this long, long, long slog of progress. Yeah. And for so long too, also, I think players were very afraid to push the league too hard for what they felt that they deserved because for so long, also, the the whole concept was, is this thing still going to be here, right? And I think what we have seen is the league is still going to be here. Yeah. Like, the league has kind of, I think, lived through the worst we're going to see. Oh, and please find one like, knock on it right now, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but that's... I mean, if it gets worse than that, then I, I don't know how we're... Right. We're going to be doing it, just, right? Just trace it back to its beginning. CBA signed at historic Angel City game. That goes back to having an NWSLPA that's a union with an executive director, Megan Burke. You don't get the NWSLPA without y'all Averbush being like, let's organize the players in the beginning when it wasn't even legally a union. She's like, let's just make a players association so we can advocate for ourselves. And in the beginning, I think a lot of people were like, but you guys aren't even a, a union. Where does this go? Well, zigzag, zigzag up to... Now they have a CBA. And they're signing it to the sweet sounds of Montel Jordan. <laughs> Bank of California Stadium. One of my go-to karaoke songs, by with, the way. <laughs> with zero, zero forewarning for the broadcast crew. <laughs> just, uh, that's the NWSL way. We're just going to do things. It's good times. All right. We've, we've been talking for an hour. There was a lot to talk about, though. That's why I was like, we've got to get Steph back on here. We need to talk. We need to we need to revisit a lot of what has been happening in this league. Process. Any any <laughs> it's a very it's a very processing episode. Um, do you have a final I feel statement <laughs> for this show? And do ASL. I feel excited when you invest properly in the product. 
But I also feel hurt when... <laughs> this is the hard thing about <laughs> I feel statements, which maybe we can talk about a later episode fully. But like, <laughs> apparently, you can't just say... I feel and anything you want afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's not the concept. It's like the equivalent of saying with all due respect, like yeah. go jump off a pier to into hell. a lake, right? Like go to hell, sir. It's you can't do that. You can't just say I feel like you suck. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel excited but I also feel really apprehensive and sad and you know, anxious. So that's, I bet a lot of people are like, yeah, me too. <laughs> We've been in a pandemic for over two years. <laughs> Welcome to 2022. You're not special. You feel this way over Everything sports? Give me a break. Bad. Drink some water and touch some grass. <sighs> yes. I feel like a lot of what we've discussed is coming from a place of love, though. And I think that that's important to not lose sight of that. I, so our, our mutual friend, Jess, has a saying that she loves to use, which is just do better. <laughs> um, I have heard her yell it a lot at sporting events, <laughs> which is a really funny thing to yell at a team, but is also frequently the two word mm -hmm. phrase that is going through my head. Um, but I, yeah, I feel, I don't know, I felt so happy on Friday night in Los Angeles. And then I felt so not happy last Saturday. <laughs> so that is that is the dichotomy of the end of I guess, I know. We, that we're still living in. We love this dumb, chaotic, exciting, groundbreaking, stupid league. Hey, there's your there marketing is. push. <laughs> yeah, we cracked it. We cracked it. Thank you to Steph, as always, for the time. We, we definitely ran a little long today. But, you know, despite writing a weekly column, we had plenty to talk about. So just consider this the, the audio companion to the weekly NWSL column from the two of us, I guess. All right. Now, one more thing this week. I actually want to talk about two more things this week because I have strong feelings about both. Now, first, you have probably seen me tweeting about this already. I have tried to limit myself because I also frequently think, boy, some of you have me on notifications. So like you get texts when I tweet and I tweet about some dumb shit and I wonder what happens, what goes through your mind when you see that. And then it's about Dracula and not about women's soccer. So first, I hope that you are prepared for more Dracula content from me because I have been loving Dracula daily. If you are not signed up, it's an email that is going to send you bits and pieces of Dracula day by day as the story happens, not how the book is written. So that's also very interesting. You can tell right now that my inner literature major nerd is just, I'm, it's pure delight for me right at the moment. Plus, there's this weird, beautiful Tumblr book club that is happening with each Dracula Daily update, and it has just been so delightful. There's a whole bunch of threads on Twitter about some of the best stuff that is coming out of Dracula Daily. This part of Dracula is really a comedy to be fair. And yeah, I just, I I think that you should come on this journey with us. Also, because Dracula is an absolute banger of a book. Very underrated. If you read it in school, I would highly recommend that you revisit it because it is very, very good. Okay. 
That's thing number one. Thing number two is Marjorie and I just finished rewatching the first season of Russian Doll. You can tell the influence of the title of today's podcast. Once again, season one is a perfect, perfect season of television. And we will finally embark upon season two. We've kind of been building up to it. So probably expect thoughts on that next week because I am sure we're going to watch it in two sittings and I will be very ready to talk about it. All right, that's it for this week. For all things full-time, again, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all of the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus more information about the show. If you'd like to subscribe to The Athletic, support our women's soccer coverage. Again, that link for you is theathletic.com slash fulltime. My name is Meg. You have been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan. My work at The Athletic. I will see some of you in Washington, D.C. this weekend at the Spirit Game, I hope. Full Time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg, and thank you for listening. Thank you.